0: Welcome to the WWE podcast everybody and huge review show today as expected night two of Wrestlemania is in the books and there's my god the amount of things we could talk about right now is astounding and we'll get through it all but first Anthony DeMarco who normally joins me with the what if and lately the current state of WWE we are putting all that aside to talk about night two of Wrestlemania that was just very polarizing in my opinion but Anthony welcome back to the show how'd you enjoy Wrestlemania?
1: Uh, As a whole, I thought it was a pretty good WrestleMania. Obviously, you already covered night one, but I thought night one was like 8.5 out of 10 stars, if not nine stars. I thought it was very, very well done. And I thought night two was on that same trajectory right up until around Vince McMahon got in the ring and then everything kind of spiraled down from there. And uh, I would say that it went from 8.5 out of 10 From pre-Vince McMahon in the ring, and then I would say it finished at like 6.57 just because of how bad that was and just how bad the main event was.
0: Vince McMahon, I mean, it was rumored for many, many months that it was going to be Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee, and boy, did we get that not that anyone asked for that and seeing vince in his kind of shriveled up but also kind of muscular very odd looking i mean he's 74 years old whatever he is it was bizarre we'll we'll get to that i mean i i've got there's there's some things I want to talk about with that, and there's good and bad. I mean, I think Pat McAfee overall delivered, considering that he's just a quote-unquote announcer, uh, and the, the crowd is so behind him. My God, the organic love for Pat McAfee is, is really amazing. So let's let's just get into night two, though. We've got so much to talk about. Triple H kicked off the show. And it was a extremely long entrance. I got to say, like, I mean, Triple H is deserving of this and all that. But it, it was just kind of like, get to it. Like, what are you here for? Explain what you're here for. Like, what what are you doing? And it was just him essentially saying it's over, putting his boots symbolically in the ring, doing his entrance, which was really cool to see. I got to say, I mean, and he was absorbing every moment of it. And uh, so what did you think about that with Triple H kicking off the show to essentially just say goodbye as an in-ring competitor?
1: I thought it was cool. Obviously, the entrance was long, but Triple H and WrestleMania entrances are kind of like synonymous with being overdone, right? Historically. So, I mean, I wasn't overly surprised with that, but I think it was well deserved. You know, I did my show on Triple H a few weeks back following the announcement of his in-ring retirement. You know, I think he was a guy that uh, meant more to the business than we all knew in the moment. Uh, For me personally, I think that I never watched a wrestler more in my lifetime than Triple H. And I only kind of realized that once he officially retired, like, oh, my God, like I've watched so much Triple H in my lifetime and he meant so much to the business. And I just think that it was cool that he was able to do a send off on the grandest stage of them all. Uh, Once he actually was on the mic, it was short and sweet. He didn't, you know, steal the spotlight too much. He just kind of said thank you, and he moved on, welcomed us to WrestleMania, which is kind of something that's a requirement nowadays. But uh, no, I think it was just short and sweet to the point, and uh, it gave everyone some closure on uh, on his in-ring career.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I mean... Triple H is one of the most deserving of all uh, of the uh, stars that really get overlooked a lot of times, and I don't think that it's justified. Uh, The one thing, one critique is, like, I wish he didn't wear a suit, kind of like Taker, and I understand why they do it, because it's kind of, it's more formal, they're not a competitor anymore, but just for old-time's sake, even if he wore just the, like, jeans and a T-shirt... Just same yeah. with taker. It just I don't know the, the suit something takes something away from the presentation when they're all in like suits now and they're just it, it's I don't know that's just a small critique. But all right, let's get into the actual matches here. It started off with the Raw Tag Team Championship, RK Bro versus the Three Prophets versus Alpha Academy, and I thought this match. I mean, it it delivered. I mean, the, the RKOs obviously were the star of the show, but I think all six competitors in this matchup delivered from start to finish and. It saw uh, RK-Bro, surprisingly, to most people's surprise, retain the championships, which was, ex- to me, very surprising. I thought for sure they were going to start with the descent of RK-Bro. Somebody turns on somebody. Didn't happen. And it's RK-Bro continuing their Raw, uh, Raw Tag Team Championship reign. At the end, Gable Stevenson, who got way more of a uh, of a... I guess platform than I thought he would after Stephanie introduced him the night before. I said, "Okay, well that's it." And they continued to talk about him like they really are very high on this guy. And we'll have to see if he ultimately delivers. But he ended up giving a um, an overhead belly to belly suplex to Chad Gable, and that was that. But overall, I thought this was a very good match. What'd you think?
1: Yeah, and it was one of those matches, and I believe you pointed out several times, that it was was poised to be an underrated match on the card. And I've always liked these multi-man tag team matches at WrestleMania. I think they usually deliver. I remember at WrestleMania 20, they had two Fatal 4-Way matches for the tag team championships on Raw and on SmackDown. And I thought that on a brilliant WrestleMania 20 card, those two really stole the show as well. And this one was no different. You know, you have... A guy in Randy Orton who could be a main eventer if he really wanted to. You have Matt Riddle and Chad Gable who are two of the more underrated workers in the entire company. Obviously, the Street Profits are arguably the best pure tag team in the company right now. And I just love Otis. And I do think, again, Chad Gable is one of the underrated stars in this uh, business right now i think he has a knack for comedy like when he knocked the drink out of gable steveson's hand they tells him to shoosh like it's so juvenile and it shouldn't be funny but chad gable just has something cooking right now and him and otis together as the alpha academy i just think they're absolutely brilliant and i think for rk bro i mean by this point, who would have thought they would still be going on? But good on WWE. They recognize that this is still over. There's still juice left to be squeezed. And instead of doing the age-old Randy Orton hits his partner with an RKO, they're really pushing forward with this. And you know what? I have no issue with it because who's to say that that program wouldn't just flop after a couple of weeks and whatever. You know, I think we've seen enough of the old, the typical Randy Orton heel punk-kicking people and turning heel Uh, And as for Riddle, I don't know if I'm ready to see him as a a full-blown heel yet, so I'm okay with them pushing on, and just, I had no issue with this match, I thought it was really, really good, and obviously the big spot from the springboard RKO by Riddle on Montez Ford was amazing, That was was amazing.
0: The, the margin for error on that and the high likelihood of injury is insane i mean the 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 risk reward ratio there is extremely skewed and i i give them props for doing that but holy crap um, and, and you know that's a that's a good point to bring up too is okay you break them up then what because how many times have we seen wwe do stuff and then they have no follow-up they just do things so if this this is a formula that's working why not continue with it until there's absolutely nothing left of it i mean i think we're on the back end of it in terms of okay they've they've gotten together, people have been expecting the breakup, but it's not overexposed yet. But it, I think at the same time, we've gone through a you know a, a fair amount of that gas tank. Um, we're not there yet where people are super annoyed, but we're, we're kind of on edge. Everyone's waiting for somebody to do something to the other guy. Um, but if they want to continue with this till SummerSlam, I think that's fine, and then eventually have a match with them. It's going to happen. But I think that they ha- are saying to themselves, why why are we doing this? Why are we going to break them up when the fans aren't losing it yet? They're still getting a very good reaction. They have great chemistry on, on air. Why, why are we doing this? Just to do it? So I think they were actually smart in continuing this. I have no problem with it either. I just expected that something would happen given WWE's booking. Um, all right. Well, moving on Bobby Lashley and Omas. Now, this matchup, I, I had low expectations for him from a quality perspective simply because of Omas being so damn big and his limitations in the ring. But I have to say, Omas showed us he can actually do some things in the ring I didn't expect him to do. Uh, he was more mobile in the ring than I expected um i i'm shocked at the outcome that omas lost i have to say i thought omas would beat lashley even though lashley would show incredible feats of strength and do the running power slam on him, all these things um i had no problem with bobby lashley defeating omas i just now wonder does this completely stop dead the push of omas so from a quality perspective, we are we have to be reasonable in what we could expect from this match. I think it was as good as it probably could have been, uh, and I have I really don't have a problem with this. Bobby Lashley wins. What'd you think?
1: You know, I I think it overachieved, and that's not saying much because like you like you just said the the bar wasn't set overly high going in, but I think Bobby Lashley had to win. Like Bobby Lashley is a star. And I still think that he has a world title run left in him. Obviously, his last one was kind of cut short due to injury and them trying to get the belt back on Brock. But, I mean, he couldn't lose to Omos. And, I mean, Omos losing, I don't think it's going to completely kill his push. Like, if, I'm, if I recall correctly... When Braun Strowman was getting this monster push early on in his career in late 2016, early 2017, I believe Roman Reigns, shockingly, was the guy who ended his streak. I want to say it was at, like, Fastlane 2017, if I'm not mistaken, the first time he got pinned or whatnot. And, you know, I think that Braun Strowman went on to have a really good career, even though his streak came to an end eventually. And that's the thing about these streaks. Of like, or in Omos's case, never even getting offense mounted on him, is that eventually when it does break, and that's inevitable with everyone, how are they going to respond to it? Obviously, Omos has a lot of the ring limitations that a guy like Braun Strowman didn't have, one of the more agile big men in the in most recent history of WWE. But I I think that there's no harm in losing to a guy like Bobby Lashley. Like Bobby Lashley. Aside from Roman Reigns and aside from Brock Lesnar, you could really make the case he's been booked as the most dominant superstar in the company over the last 12 months or so. You know, two-time WWE champion over that time. And I just think historically he has been billed as one of the big, strong guys in the company. So I don't think that Omos's push will be hurt in any way. I think that it was just him falling to one of the Bigger And, you know, tougher competitors in the history of the company, especially in the last uh, 12 months. Uh, and like you said, I think that almost showed that he can be more than just, you know, bumbling around and knocking guys down and roaring like a dinosaur. But I think that Bobby Lashley needed this win, and it was a good booking decision on their part.
0: And the crowd reaction for Bobby, I thought, was positive, very positive. I mean, the, the people seemed to forgot, forgot real quick about his heel gimmick. That really wasn't a heel when you think about it, because he was a straight-up just badass guy. He didn't do anything underhanded. We were just told to hate him, and there really wasn't a whole lot of reason behind it. But now he's a, he's a full-fledged babyface, and I don't. I would imagine that... They might have a rematch. I mean, tonight, t- tonight on Monday Night Raw, which is an, one of the most anticipated Raws of the year. It is the most anticipated Raw of the year. It's, it's in some ways more fun than WrestleMania. In some ways, but. Uh, tonight, I would expect a lot of WrestleMania rematch between so-and-so. I mean, I could see this being a WrestleMania rematch where Omas then gets a victory over Bobby Lashley or something. There's going to be a, a, probably one or two or three of those WrestleMania rematches tonight or WrestleMania Rewind, whatever the hell they do. Uh, and this could be one of them. And I don't think, like you said, Omas did lose here, but I think that this is not going to hurt him because he could just go on another incredibly hot streak, which he probably will. I mean, outside of Bobby Lashley, though, I mean, I don't know who he can compete with. I mean, he's got Bobby Lashley, and then who else is who else is possible to to take him down but Brock Lesnar? I mean, I I don't know. There's nobody else that he has a he has somebody against that he can actually be in jeopardy of losing that match. I mean, so um he has Bobby and then nobody else. So I expect this probably to continue over the next couple of months, I think. I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but this doesn't seem like a one-off to me.
1: Well, they still have juice left to be squeezed, right? Like they have been in the ring against each other twice. Raw leading up to Mania, and then Mania. And, yeah, there's definitely still, like, some interest there. Like, I could see them squaring off at, and I don't know if you caught this, but at WrestleMania Backlash, (laughs) I guess Mm. you could... Uh, but uh, I immediately thought of you when I saw the promotion for it. But, uh, yeah, I could easily see them, you know, go squaring off against one another. And then you could give Omas the victory and get him back on track. And I think working with a guy like Bobby Lashley, who is a very agile big man, would be helpful for Omos to kind of, you know, learn some tricks of the of the, um of the ring and you know I found out Omos is the same age as me and it and it completely frightened <laughs> out of me thinking that cuz I picture like going to high school with that guy and looking at him but you realize just how young he still is at 27 years old so like he has a long road ahead of him where he could maybe You know, learn some different moves, improve on his agility. And I think working with a guy like Bobby Lashley, who at this point pretty much is like a ring general in there, especially for a guy of his size. You know, I think that this program, if they were to extend it for another pay-per-view or two, could benefit Omos a lot. And certainly for Bobby Lashley, because short of going up against Roman Reigns for his new undisputed championship, I don't know who else Bobby Lashley would square off with in the immediate future.
0: Yeah, there's really nobody, and you're right, this is probably a pairing that is going to be beneficial to both guys moving forward, and I'm sure Almas will get his victory. He might end up winning this whole program if it does extend two or three more matches, so yeah good stuff I, I really don't have a problem with this and if you're gonna elevate omas and help him learn in the ring there's no better person to work with right now that's available than bobby lashley who's been in the business for like 20 years so great stuff uh, I, I mean as good as this match could have been i shouldn't say it's great it was as good of you as you could have ex- possibly expected from this matchup that i had a very low bar for so all right moving on to this really um insane match and i don't mean that in insane i mean that as just like crazy uh sammy zane johnny knoxville match anything goes that I, I tweeted this out. I said it felt like it was a wrestling version of Home Alone. I mean, I th- I expected like micro machines and paint cans. I mean, I expected, you know, just just wacky stuff. It, it was if you like the entertainment part of wrestling that exposes the business and makes you giggle, I guess this is for you. This was not for me. I I, I wouldn't say it was the worst thing I've ever seen. I've certainly seen way worse things in WWE. I just don't like the premise that Johnny Knoxville, some some gray-haired, wannabe, relevant guy from 25 years ago, coming in and, and telling me that he's a legitimate contender to beat Sami Zayn and... I understand that there's a lot of shenanigans. There was Wee Man. There was giant hands. There was uh, just all these contraptions and and, and giant mousetraps. That was a big cluster. You know what? All these things. And again, it's not my flavor. If it's yours and anybody else's, that's wonderful. I understand why you find this entertaining, um i thought it was it was bad because i don't like that version of wrestling that's why i don't like it and you have johnny knoxville coming in he he, i don't think he did a whole lot of wrestling moves as expected it was just a whole lot of throw my body around use weapons and and use anything at my disposal as a crutch and a mask for the for the uh the reality i don't have any wrestling ability and so i don't know i i didn't like it we all knew Sami Zayn was going to lose this sadly he did and um,
1: I, I I don't know what more to say about this. What would you think? Look, uh, you were expecting it, and I didn't mind it. I chuckled, especially the part with Wee Man. I found it funny. Um, I think that Sami Zayn is just a brilliant I – I don't even know how to describe him, if he's a comedian or – his psychology to, like, make people buy in. Sami Zayn is the most underrated Mm -hmm. wrestler they have right now. He could do anything. They can put him in any type of scenario, and he will make it work. And, you know, he took something that, like you tweeted out, was a real-life version of Home Alone and made it, you know, not a complete disaster. And that's a testament to him as a a wrestler, as a character, as a performer, however you want to say it. I just think he should have gotten the win. If everything else would have been equal and he would have just gotten the win, I wouldn't have critiqued it. But I I just – I don't like that Johnny Knoxville came away with the victory because it just looks like he was a fool, like he was Marvin Home Alone. (laughs) Like you said, he got duped, and it makes Sami Zayn kind of look stupid. If everything else had happened with the shenanigans with Wee Man, you know, even the Chris Pontius Party Boy thing, like I did chuckle at that because – chris pontius was always kind of the funniest guy in um in jackass for me personally but like i was able to live with all of that because we knew it was coming and it was you know to appease that certain segment of the audience which i'm okay with but when you actually make the professional wrestler lose in such a you know a a stupid way a giant mouse trap and Obviously, like, I think they botched, like, the execu- execution of the mouse trap and, yep. you know, him acting like he couldn't press this, like, which would clearly just a stainless steel hollow, hollow bar off of him. Like, I don't know. Like, I understand it. It's not the worst thing in the world. I liked it, like, 90% of it because I accepted it for what it was. I just really don't like that Sami Zayn had to take the loss. That's it, because Man. it just made it look stupid
0: maybe that's the worst part about this because like you said I and I've said this before that Sami Zayn if Roman Reigns wasn't a thing and he was still his insufferable insufferable babyface character I could see Sami Zayn being taken actually seriously and being universal champion if Roman Reigns wasn't a thing on Smackdown I think Sami Zayn could be universal champion and be a hell of a champion in terms of being a heel his character now he could just pop into being universal champion and as long as they framed him as a serious character rather than somebody that always gets his ass kicked and there's never any real heat on them. I think he could be in that position, and it's just, a, I think he's a victim of circumstance of how good Roman Reigns has been as a heel, but uh, that said, yeah, this match, I, look, I, I get it, this to me was just not my flavor, that's all it is, it's just like, okay, I, I don't like vanilla, well, this was a vanilla match, I like chocolate instead, that's all it is, and that's fine, um, and it, it was just a different type of match, it's fine, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sit and crap all over it, it's just, uh, it wasn't embarrassing, on, like it was with the cinematic matches, or Money in the Bank, that was one of the worst things if not the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, all those cinematic matches, I really despised, and some of them were embarrassing. This was not um, in that sense. But um, all right, well, let's let's continue on here in the interest of time. And uh, the time bomb, everybody of my baby who's sleeping, I have no idea when she's going to wake up, so I'm going to keep things moving here. The Women's Tag Team Championship, Carmella and Queen Zelina versus Sasha and Naomi, Liv and Rhea and Natalia and Shayna. So Sasha Banks and Naomi, the favorites, did win this matchup. Before I give you my thoughts, give me yours.
1: I thought the match itself was kind of a cluster, you know what, like kind of like uncoordinated at times. But I just think all in all, it was the right decision. I didn't know this, but I think they said on the broadcast or I saw it on the Internet that that was Sasha Banks' first victory. And in terms of the star power of each respective team, I think that this was the team that most needed this victory. I think it will be the best for the women's tag team championships. Obviously the Queen Zelina and Carmella tag team run wasn't that spectacular through no fault of their own. It's just booking constantly forgetting that those titles even exist. But I mean, for what it was, I think that it was an okay match. I think that the right winners came out on top and, uh, I think that going forward, Sasha and Naomi will be uh, good good competitors to raise relevance to those belts.
0: Yeah, the I mean, I always get concerned about who's going to win them because they're cursed championships. I mean, how many times have we yeah. seen that the, whoever wins the belts then go into just this this uh, oblivion of irrelevance where they're just forgotten. They, you know, WWE forgets they have a tag team division, which by the way, they just manufactured out of thin air to to have a, a quote unquote division appear as if there's one there's not because everybody else, those other three teams, maybe one of them just to, so that Sasha and Naomi have somebody to compete with. The other two will likely just disperse and they'll go off on their own because they're not a real tag team to begin with. So, and you know,
1: what's crazy about yeah. it? Just for one second, when they created that, those tag team titles, they actually legitimately did have a division they had the riot squad they had the iconics mm-hmm. tamina and uh, nia jacks were teaming with one another that's when bailey and sasha banks were stuck together like glue like i don't know it's just crazy that they used to have a legitimate tag team division they just got rid of all of it
0: yeah they they did and it's one of those ones that they don't i mean i don't or uh Queen Zelina and carmella had a had their belts had the tag team titles for like I felt like a couple of months and there's literally nobody else in the division. I mean it's embarrassing. Like how do you how do you have a championship that by the way guys nobody was actually asking for a women's tag team title uh division WWE manufactured that movement by having plants in the crowd hold signs saying, we want women's tag titles. It wasn't a real movement. They were manufacturing it. There may have been some people who wanted it. It really wasn't a a thing that people wanted. Now, if I was to be asked, I would say, get rid of the women's tag titles or just have them quietly be buried for a little while. If you have a women's tag team division, build that up. In the meantime, if you want a women's mid-tier belt, create that because they are clearly more focused on a singles uh, star than they ever will be on a tag team division. That's true for men and women. But that's neither here nor there. As far as this match goes, I had no problem with it. As you said, it was a, a, a bit sloppy occasionally just because of so many women in the ring and it was fine and and Sasha and Naomi win the belts um and it's funny they brought up team bad if anybody remembers team bad with Sasha Banks and Naomi as part of it uh Sasha Banks actually turned on Naomi her and I forget who was with her turned on Naomi I I just don't understand why anybody would want a team with Sasha Banks given her history of turning on on her opponents it just is it's amazing to me and and it's fine because she's quietly just building a nice baby face run with Naomi but I don't know how long they'll hold these belts. I mean, maybe Bailey comes back on SmackDown. I mean, we'll have to see. Um, and Asuka's also floating out there. Tessa Blanchard. There's a lot of people out there that never didn't debut last night. I'm actually really shocked. Alexa Bliss was left off WrestleMania. How the hell did that happen? I mean, there's so, there's just so many so many women's competitors that were left off WrestleMania, and maybe they're waiting for Raw or SmackDown to have them uh, debut or re-debut return. But overall, I thought this match was. It was good. It was good, and, you know, I just hope that Sasha and Naomi just don't go into the ether of irrelevancy after winning these belts.
1: Yeah, and, like, that's the thing that you worry about, right? Because these two are kind of like the—well, I think that Sasha Banks is in the top tier, and then Naomi's, like, right under the top tier, like the high-end second tier. But I think it is one of these situations where they're just going to try and make the the competitor's— elevate the championships which is the better solution of the two i it's just it's tough right because of the way that they booked each respective women's championship going into wrestlemania you kind of had sasha banks left on the outside looking in and even naomi to a certain extent like you could make the case that naomi should be in contention for one of the world championships on the women's side of things and i think for them they were just like well this is the next best option for these two women but i think in 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 the future, maybe they should look to explore women having grudge matches at WrestleMania. Like, I know we're going to get into it shortly with Edge and, and AJ Styles, but I think that maybe in the future they could look to, you know, investing into that type of program going to WrestleMania, even with the women. Like, I don't think it always has to involve a championship to get the women on a WrestleMania card.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot about that, and that's it's such a, a really relevant point that why is it always a championship? Can it be a personal feud? I mean, the, la- the last personal feud I can think of, not at WrestleMania, but just in general, is Naomi and uh, and, and Sonya Deville. I mean, they had a, a match that really took way too long to get to, but they eventually did and the payoff was okay, but there's not a whole lot of personal feuds, which shows you that they're not really investing a lot of time thinking about that. They're worried. They're, they're looking at this going, well, if we're going to create a women's match, we can just make it about the championship. They're not putting a lot of time into developing characters you can be invested in that you care about wanting to see them beat the hell out of somebody else for something they did underhanded cheated whatever instead it's always got to be about the belts and, and and it doesn't need to be about the belts i would argue sometimes that personal feuds are better than championships in certain in certain times but okay moving on though as you said aj styles and edge i will just give my quick thoughts on this i think that this this was really good but i i think unfairly we myself anyway put this at such a high level of expectation that maybe they went a little bit under the bar and unfairly i put it so high as it could be the match of the entire pay-per-view i think it maybe is one of the top three or four no doubt but i don't think it lived up to my insanely unrealistic expectation of just blowing us out of the water and being an absolute wrestlemania classic but that said, they still did really good. I mean, uh, the springboard 450 was was really good. The uh, Edge was trying to put a – he put a label lock on Styles. I haven't seen that in a while. Edge's entrance, by the way, was awesome. Edge's entrance of, of symbolically standing and judging everybody from his mountaintop was really good. Uh, the psychology there was great. The, uh, the 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 attire, he cut his hair a little more. Edge is just a master at changing when he wants to change. I, I, I mean, edge psych, psychologically, Edge has got it down. He he is a absolute. Uh, he's got a PhD in it. So it was really good. Uh, you know, the the biggest thing I take out of this is yes, it was a really really good match. I would like to see a rematch, and I think we will. I think this is match one of probably three between these two. And I love the fact that Edge is being going to create a stable here. This is, this is really good. It it creates an opportunity for edge to help elevate new stars and that's the whole point of a stable is you have usually an established veteran and several quote-unquote rookies underneath them and right now damian priest who created the distraction on aj which cost him the match was part one i believe there is part two i don't know who that second person is but there has to be somebody Um, so overall i think this is a good match and it, it was a nice step in the right direction for edge to create a stable to help build new stars
1: yeah, I mean, look, uh, like you said, the the expectations were set very, very high. I feel like this one kind of fell into the same tier as Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ from four years ago at WrestleMania, mm. where it was still a very good match, but people were just expecting the world. Edge's entrance was brilliant. I really liked his attire, like the purple, uh, you know, kind of tint to his gear. I thought that was really cool. Um, I wasn't a fan of the ending of the match. I really did not like it. I don't like that like a guy could just appear at ringside and distract someone and then that was the reason why AJ lost. I think it really makes AJ look bad in this instance. I just found that it was a lazy way to try and protect AJ while not making Edge look like he needed too much help. Uh, And I personally think that AJ should have gotten the win. That's just me. Um, I think that not that Edge has been booked way too strongly since he's returned, but I and I know that wins and losses don't really mean every everything. And, you know, a guy can look good in a loss, but I think that it's gone to a point with Edge where he's being booked a bit too strong for what he is. Obviously, this program is far from over. I'm sure that they'll have another match or two at the following pay-per-views. But I, I don't know, it w- there was something about this match that, although the in-ring stuff was pretty good, there was just something that left me wanting more. I just, I didn't like the fact that, um uh, of the the ending, and I really thought that AJ needed this win. And I didn't think that Edge did. And just going back, probably since the Roman feud, it just fe- seems like Edge has been on like a... Uh, like a never-ending war path of just winning and winning and winning. And I just don't think that he needed this. And I think if he would have lost this, it would have been the perfect way to bring in a stable with Damian Priest maybe tomorrow or something, or tonight now. And uh, I don't know. It's not the worst match in the world, but for whatever reason, I didn't like the finish, and I didn't like that uh, Edge came out on top.
0: That's yeah, fair, it's a fair argument. I mean, edge is a guy that doesn't need as much of a win a j has been as as edge said just relegated to a tag team um, i can't say the word, but he he's been very basically half of a a shell of what he was in the tag team with omas and he was you know not doing the heavy lifting and all that and he edge said he wanted the pit bull, and I like that He he acknowledged that a j has not been who we know AJ can be over the last six to 12 months. And I really enjoyed how he brought that into it. Um, you know, one moment I really did like too in this match though, was the styles clash kickout that I, I, that was very believable when he, he tried to hit the styles clash like three, four times. He finally hit it. And you think, wow, that could be it. And edge just barely. I mean, it was the most flimsy kick out, but it made sense. That was a believable near fall. I enjoyed that. Um, And, you know, yeah, the the distraction finish is kind of a lazy, almost Monday Night Raw kind of finish. It's not a WrestleMania finish per se. And it does make AJ kind of look foolish after all the experience we're told that he has in the ring, that they're generational stars. And yet he's he's duped by one of the most just elementary uh, distractions of all time. I I understand that. But this is not the end of their programming. they're telling chapter one of chapter, you know, Three or four, however many they have here. So um, I, I really I didn't hate it um, as far as the ending goes. I, I think it was fine. Um, I understand it. It wasn't the most exciting that, uh, match that they've or match the, that I've ever seen between them. And I, I think ultimately though it's good to bring in new stars to help elevate that next generation. And I, I think it was fine. I think it was fine. And yeah. So all right, New Day and kind of a, a bathroom break here, but it really was. Uh, Sheamus and Rich Holland versus the New Day. I mean, I don't know what to say about this other than just uh, I'm, I'm I didn't want want to see and, and you know Kofi Kingston. I mean, you and I can probably say that in ten. I mean, if Kofi Kingston was left off WrestleMania, it wouldn't even be a topic. It would just be like, oh yeah, that makes sense, sounds good. Because I mean, New Day and Sheamus and Ridge Holland. To me, this is a this is just getting them on the card to get them on the card because they moved them from night one into night two and. They're delivering on what they said they were going to do, and and, and it was okay. Um, it was okay. Butch attacked Woods after the match. It was short. It was seemed kind of I don't want to say irrelevant, but it was a match that if again if it was left off, people wouldn't have been throwing a tantrum about it. It just was. It, it was fine. It just to me wasn't WrestleMania worthy. It was a definite bathroom slash commercial break. What do you think?
1: Well, it was supposed to be on night one and it got pushed off the card and then they put it as kind of like the the bathroom break match between the, the big match of AJ Styles and Edge and the eventual Pat McAfee match. And look, I feel bad because I do think that as although they're not really my cup of tea, like I do think the New Day are good in ring performers. I do like Sheamus. I think his stable has potential here. And I, but it's just with the story that came behind it, like you said, like this wasn't a WrestleMania worthy match. And I know they don't do Sunday Night Heat anymore. And I know they don't even really do a kickoff show anymore, but that's what this match should have been. And, you know, obviously a complete side note, but it absolutely infuriates me that this is a match that gets on a WrestleMania card. But five years ago, you had Dean Ambrose versus the or versus Baron Corbin for the Intercontinental Championship on the kickoff show. Like mm-hmm. that to me is just crazy. Or the fact that neither mid card championship found its way onto the onto the card this year on two nights. But this is a match that does get on the show. And look, it's nothing against these guys, and I really do like Sheamus's stable. I think that I've just always been a Sheamus fan, and I like what they're doing, trying to build up these new guys but uh and there's something about Butch that kind of annoys me uh, and it's not his fault i think it's just the booking of that he's always trying to act like he's like this like rabid dog being held back and i don't know it seems kind of juvenile the way he acts and again i think that's more booking but uh yeah this entire match to me just seemed really pointless and almost irritating to be honest yeah, Butch
0: is like a 1920s wannabe mobster. Like, I mean, I just he's he feels, the Butch, first of all, the name Butch is an extremely antiquated name. It was something that was popular in the early 1900s. And his attire is very old school. It's like somebody watched a like some kind of old school movie over the last several weeks and were like, that'd be a great gimmick for somebody. I, I, I don't hate it or love it right now. I'm still giving time for me to, to really dive into what I think about it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't have much to say about this. It does not deserve Wrestlemania and to me wrestlemania is what should be the best of the best this is not the best of the best it will not be remembered and it and it was a it was just a quick and you know it should have been quick matchup and it saw Seamus' stable go over so that's fine okay two more matches here pat mcafee versus uh versus uh, austin theory okay um now of course vince mcmahon also was involved in part two of this but Let's get talk about uh, Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. I think that given Pat McAfee's limitations and that he does is not an in ring performer on a, a regular basis, I think Pat McAfee stole. I don't say he stole the show. He exceeded expectations by far. the uh, The love that the fans have for him. He's got this just believable kind of just organic connection with the crowd that you can't just you can't create and put on paper and have it happen. Pat McAfee is beloved, and you know, the crowd was chanting along with his music many times, and I think that he got in some good shots and performed very well. He had hit he hit a Hurricane Rana. Uh, he tried a Swanton Bomb that landed and crashed and burned. Uh, he, he actually like, I think, did better than I would have expected. Now, he has wrestled before in NXT, but not on this stage, and I have no problem with the way he performed, and Austin Theory did his part too. I have no problem with the way Austin Theory mm-hmm. performed either, and Austin Theory losing via a roll-up. Now, I guess that's the way to protect Austin Theory from an announcer beating him. But I think that Austin Theory will be just fine after this. Part two of this is Vince McMahon after he was sitting at ringside, and Vince gets in the ring after Pat McAfee called him in. And Pat just suddenly just couldn't mount any offense against a 75-year-old, essentially the most uncoordinated human being ever created on Earth, could not mount any offense among a very slow vince mcmahon just dishing out clotheslines to pat mcafee and he eventually got beat down by both he, he vince mcmahon hitting a i don't even know he didn't even hit a finish on <laughs> pat mcafee it was the weirdest thing ever that pat lost what from a kick to the ribs or something after i mean I, I, what the hell happened like
1: yeah uh, we'll go look. ahead
0: I, know, so I didn't even get to Stone Cold yet. We'll get to that. But what, like before we get to Stone Cold, what, what, what the hell did you think about, for, first of all, Austin Theory and then Vince McMahon?
1: Look, the initial match I thought was really cool. And one thing that I will say about this WrestleMania is like the three non-traditional guys who fought at this year's WrestleMania between the two nights. You had Logan Paul, who I thought is kind of like a natural. Johnny Knoxville in the confines of whatever that match was did fine. And Pat McAfee here, I thought there was no embarrassment. I thought it was all, like, at least up to a satisfactory level. I thought Pat McAfee, like you said, he has a natural connection with the audience. They chose probably the best theme song they could have for him. Like, that's just a song, the Seven Nation Army, that you go to any concert, any DJ show, and that song comes on and everyone just starts chanting along like sheep. And... I mean, I thought that he was really good, to be honest. I think Austin Theory is an incredible worker. I think he showed off just how good of an in ring competitor he is. But Pat McAfee, you know, even like when he did the um he jumped directly onto the top rope and hit the superplex. Uh, yeah. Like he's just a natural athlete. And I and this was an instance where I didn't mind the roll up victory because it was fitting. Mm-hmm. It made Sense and like you said in the past, like most notably, I think the most famous roll up victory was Shawn Michaels versus Triple H at Summerslam 2002. I'm sure you could touch on this now. Like when the roll up is executed in the proper context, there's no problem with it, right? No, yeah, there's no problem. The problem is they
0: overuse it, and then when you see it in a context that it actually makes sense, you you don't like it because you see it so much. That's the problem, and you're maybe that's why I'm blinded by ah, oh, it's a roll up victory. But it's because we see it so often and in, in abused that when it's actually used in the right way, you're you're like, well, they overuse it. So yeah, that's the problem.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So honestly, it was uh, I had no problem with that match. Then you get to the stuff with Vince McMahon and it was um, it's tough to watch. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I know he's 76, 77 years old. And I know that he'll probably look better than I do when I'm 65 years old. And I get all that. But it's tough to watch Vince. And this is not to say that he was a five-star wrestler, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But when you've seen Vince McMahon in his, quote, prime, and I use that term very loosely, and you see him now, it's tough. You know, it's tough to watch. Just how old he's gotten and how poorly coordinated he is now and like you've just said like it, this is not to say that he was an excellent worker beforehand but I, I thought he kind of embarrassed himself honestly and he and it was a stain on the entire segment and i know that you know it was just to kind of you know i guess give us like a bit of nostalgia but to me like it. What does this mean for Austin Theory that he loses to, you know, he loses to Pat McAfee and then Matt Pat McAfee essentially jobs to Vince McMahon and loses with a punt of a football to the ribs? Yeah, like it's like I, it, it just made no sense. Obviously, you could kind of protect Pat McAfee in the sense that Austin Theory got involved. And whatever and like Vince, you know, getting, you know, down to like the the tank top and like I know he works out a lot, but it gets to a point where no matter how much you work out at a certain age, it doesn't really show. (laughs) I found he just looked bad. It was it was just really unfortunate. And then you get to I, – I think that it could have sufficed based on what we knew it was coming after, and I'll let you go on um, – I'll give let you give your two cents on Austin first before I do. I just think that that segment could have sufficed with you think it's going to be a match, Austin Theory attacks him from behind, and then like Austin Theory kind of like – Holds Pat McAfee while Vince like beats him down or something. Yeah, that that would have sufficed.
0: That there was no need for an actual match between them, especially the way it played out. If it played out okay, I mean we'd be singing a different tune. But it was it was downright just terrible. I mean even I'm looking at CBS Sports. I know some people don't like their grading, but they gave the Pat McAfee Vince McMahon segment anyway an F. It was bad, and I agree. It it it, it was an F-grade for that match that you can't even really call a match. There was no need for it. As you said, you could have got to the same destination by having, you know, oh, my God, he gets the roll of victory, and then, bam, uh, Austin Theory attacks him from behind. Vince gets in the ring and gets his couple of shots in. They're pounding him down into the ring, and then the glass shatters. That's all. It would have been way better, and we maybe wouldn't be crapping on it like we are now because of the Vince McMahon using a... It was like a, it looked like a foam uh, football to the ribs. That took Pat McAfee out, but like you know, hitting a 450 splash on him doesn't. I mean, it didn't make any sense at all. Vince McMahon just wanted a victory, and you're right. Like, look, and I've had people on Twitter come at me for saying, well, what do you expect? You know, Vince McMahon is six, seventy-six years old. Yeah, but the thing is, he's always been uncoordinated. He has always been one of the most uncoordinated individuals you've ever seen. Even in his prime, when he was facing Austin in his mid-fifties, now he's in his mid-seventies. He was never good at all, and he took the stunner a hundred different ways. But let's get to Austin, because he comes out first of all i was during that beatdown. i'm like oh man how cool would that be if austin could come out right now that would be so freaking cool but we saw him last night he's probably not going to come out but i instinctually wanted him somebody like him to come down and even the odds and when the glass shattered i actually i was laying in bed and my son's sleeping and i i like i ended up actually waking him up i because i was like freaking out like i was like oh my god oh my god and it just was, it, it felt very nostalgic. You get caught up in the moment. Austin's out to, to even the odds and dish out some stunners. He comes in the ring and almost immediately hits Austin Theory with a stunner. Uh, he, he Austin Theory, I think, rivaled Scott Hall's cell to the stunner at WrestleMania 18. It was pretty close. He went flying. And then uh, I thought, I was like, okay, just hit the stunner right away. Don't do your typical beer thing with Vince because everybody knows what's coming. Just hit him with the stunner and then drink your beer and leave and we went through this kind of back and forth as we always do of people somehow trusting Austin after 25 years of this somehow people still trust him to drink a beer with them that you know a stunner's going to come and it finally came but my god the, look i know i know the answer is well Vince is 76 the stunner is the easiest finish in the world to take you just bend over and then fall to the ground austin's not going to break your neck he's done this a million times but somehow somehow vince got like just he was just unbalanced and fell into the ropes. Austin is trying to grab his neck. (laughs) He finally drops him. Even when he finally got him, it was a a Linda McMahon type of grab. It was bad, really bad. Uh, And Vince falls to the ground. I was hoping Austin and Vince would try to make up for it. And Austin picks him up and just redoes it. I was hoping he like just to make good on it. But he fell out of the ring. And then Austin ends up drinking beer with Pat McAfee, stunning McAfee. And McAfee hilariously is laying there kind of half conscious, still putting beer in his mouth. I found that really funny. Um, But Austin stuns everybody. It was was a nice, good moment. But uh, your your take on the whole Austin
1: Stunners uh, segment. Well, when his music hit, I was just like, okay, we had to deal with that absolute buffoonery of a match. But now it's for a good reason. He comes to the ring. I love the way that Austin's Theory sold it. I think that, I, I just think that Austin Theory came away from this whole segment matches looking very, very good. And I was fearful of how Vince was going to take this stunner. And, like, I mean, he he kicked him. He fell down. Then he stumbled <laughs> into the ropes. Like, and then, like you said, like, it was a Linda McMahon-esque esque stunner. And I just – I could not for the life of me, like, think about what he was doing and then how he fell to the outside of the ring. And, like, look, it it kind of became a parody of itself in hindsight that, like, oh, my God, he actually did this. But, like, for me, in my head, I'm saying, like, why can't Vince just stay in the back? Mm -hmm. Like, if you are going to force yourself to stay in the day-to-day operations of the company – Just stay off screen. Put Triple H in that role now. You might as well. Or put Shane in that role as the on-screen boss. Just please. Because, and look, I've had the same problem with The Undertaker over the years. And this is why maybe I'm not as big of an Undertaker guy as most Is because once you pass a certain threshold, you are not the same character anymore. No matter how hard you try, you are not that character anymore. And I think that's why Stone Cold Steve Austin has been so protective on coming back in his own right. And you know what? I think that even him, he's right on the border of still trying, still mm-hmm. able to be that character. But he's he doesn't have much runway left either. And I think that that's the reason why I think I've always had an appreciation for Triple H. Because we will always remember Triple H as Triple H he didn't overstay his welcome at all. A guy like Kane I think was teetering on that but got out at the right time. But Vince McMahon now has forever tarnished his and not to say again that his in-ring, you know, work was ever anything spectacular, but he has tarnished what he will be remembered as in the ring. And I think it's sad Because at least Vince was able to look the part once upon a time. Not to say that he ever took the stunner spectacularly, but it was good enough that he just looked like an unathletic guy getting hit with a stone-cold stunner. Now it just looked like someone in a geriatric state getting hit with a stone-cold stunner. Like, when he stumbled back, I was just, is he okay? (laughs) Like, honestly, are you okay? And Look, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin was laughing then they do the the stutter with um with Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee comes out looking really good again and it was I guess saved under the Stone Cold Steve Austin umbrella. But I'm just very I'm kind of sad in a way that Vince McMahon has forever tarnished the way that we'll remember him in an in-ring setting. There's no coming back from that. No,
0: there's there's really no coming back. He, he is that will, that stunner will live in infamy, guys. Like, as crap, you know, all the crap we gave Linda McMahon and she sold it really bad too. I mean, like, if you ever did it in slow-mo, it is, is it's just, it's awful. Uh, and, and this one will also now take that top spot. I, I said that on Twitter. I said, the, Vince McMahon has now, uh, he, he has now taken the crown. He has, he has won the championship for worst stunner ever taken, ever in the history of thousands of stunners. I mean, I, I really think that maybe, maybe he, took a course hosted by Linda McMahon on how to take a stunner for like weeks before WrestleMania, because that's what it felt like. It was, it was, um it was bad. And, and I don't want to harp on it, but when it's something that egregious, like there are botches, there are things that don't go right. But when it's that bad, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. And, and Vince McMahon, while no one will ever say it to his face, cause he's the boss. He, he put a stain on that segment because of how badly he stumbled around. and, Again, there's there's really no excuse for it. I mean, you, there's no excuse. You just you take the the kick, which is, is shouldn't be that hard of a kick. I didn't see how hard Austin actually kicked him, but you, you just kind of just flop to the ground. You don't have to try to sell it like Austin theory. You just kind of flop there. It's easy. I mean, you could sell it in many different ways, and he just it looked like he was drunk, stumbling around and fell into the ropes, and then Austin's trying to grab his head. I mean, it's it's funny, it's sad, and it's it's infuriating all all wrapped into one. Um, but Pat McAfee taking the stunner then did help. The crowd cheered for that, which I was concerned. I was like, the, the crowd really loves Pat. Is Austin getting any booze here? And they didn't. The stunner is is the most over move of all time. And no matter who takes the stunner, it could be, you could throw your grandmother into the ring and you, you watch your grandma get stunned and you probably still cheer. It, it's just, it's so much fun to watch. And so I do wonder, a uh, quick question on this before we move on to the final match or the main event. Do you think Austin shows up tonight uh, in, in Dallas? I mean, still in Dallas, Raw's in Dallas. Do you think he shows up? again tonight or do you think he's done?
1: Um you know what I think he may show up. I think that Austin really enjoyed himself and I think that he performed well. Like I think that aside from maybe the kicks and you could see that he yeah. is weak in the knees still. But aside from that, like I thought he looked alright and I mean, I've been saying for a while I would like to see Austin back on, like, a somewhat consistent basis, He's, even if it is as, like, an authority figure. Uh, I thought his run as, the the co-GM of Raw and the sheriff, you know, 20 years ago, whatever it is now, or 18 years ago, was very prematurely ended. Uh, you know, I think that he still has a lot of gas left in the tank just as an on-screen character. Like, he has a lot to give, and that's why, like for a lot of these guys that they always want to bring back in an in-ring setting, I don't know why they always have to insist with in-ring. And I think that if Austin was able to just be around more and be integrated into storylines more, and then if he could be an enforcer, if he wants to do a match like once a year or something, he still at least has the feel for the business. He's not completely detached. So like, I wouldn't put it past them. I just hope that, If he does come back tonight and this goes for Triple H too, like for me, I think that Triple H now should be a semi consistent on screen character because of just how good of a talker he is. Like I've always thoroughly enjoyed Triple H promos and the same goes for Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't have to see them in an in ring competition all the time. So if they would bring back Stone Cold Steve Austin tonight, I would hope it would be to be like a somewhat long term thing as an on screen character.
0: I hope so. I mean, I don't think that'll happen, but I'm all for it. Um, I, I also do wonder if there's chatter about, you know, another match for Stone Cold... Again, the word is that he only had three months to prepare for the Kevin Owens match from January forward. And clearly, he wasn't, from an aesthetic standpoint, you could tell he still had a bit of a gut on him. A little, I mean, a little bit, considering how big the guy is. It, it just wasn't what you would have expected if he took his shirt off in or uh, 1999. And I understand why he wore his shirt. I would have, too. I mean, you don't want to look at him and go, oh, that's not stone cold, right? So I, I think that he only had three months to prepare. And given the fact that he only had three months to prepare... I think still he showed a hell of an effort, given he hasn't had a match in nearly twenty years, taking a bump on the concrete. I mean, I'm not trying to review that match with KO, but just in general I think Austin's looking at that and thinking to myself thinking to himself, could I do another? And if I had more time, say six to eight months, to prepare for somebody like Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns at next year's WrestleMania. Do, can I do it? I think, you know, I'm going to see how my body responds over the next week and maybe start to put some feelers out there. I don't know how they don't do Brock and Austin if Austin has much more time to prepare, get in top physical condition to have a matchup that would be one of the biggest WrestleMania matches of all time. And because they've never faced off against one another, there's backstory with the taking your ball and going home, all that stuff that happened in 2002 in the King of the Ring qualifier, all that. There's, there's a lot of backstory and I think they'd have a hell of a chemistry. So, uh, the, the final question on that is, do you, do you think he's looking at that thinking in WWE? is like, hmm, would they do that? Now they have a whole year to prepare for it.
1: For Brock versus Austin yeah. next year? Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll consider it. I'm just worried. <coughs> excuse me. I'm just worried about how Austin would fare in a Brock Lesnar type of match. How do you think his body would, you know, fare in that type of brutal contest?
0: Well, the, the German suplexes would concern me. I mean, I, I, I'd i be worried that the German suplexes on, on Austin with his neck, given his neck history, would be a little bit rough. But again, if you have that much time to pre- prepare, you now have a year, if you're going to do this, to prepare for that matchup. I think that you could get 95% of what Stone Cold was, at least for one night, in in a year. If if everything goes well, barring any injuries that happen, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, he'd probably be feeling it. And But again, a year is a long time to train and, and, and to prepare. And... I I don't know. Do I think it's going to happen at the end of the day? Probably not. Probably not. But the wording Austin used, if anybody paid attention, the wording Austin used when he was on the KO show is, I could have my last match here in Dallas, Texas. He didn't say, and I will, and this is. He said, I could which left the door open. I really, truly believe he used that match with KO as kind of a test to see how he feels mentally, physically, emotionally about maybe doing one or two more matches. Because KO, as big of a star as he is, you have bigger stars that Austin hasn't worked with, like Roman, like Brock. So, just a the thought there. But um, All right, well, let's get to that final matchup here before things, uh, you know, blank hits the fan at my house here. Uh, we have the main event, Roman Reigns and... Brock Lesnar in the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. I'm going to take a pause. What'd you think?
1: Okay. I'm going to contain myself because this is a PG show. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely pathetic. Um, I was extremely disappointed, not because of the outcome. I think everyone under the sun knew that Roman Reigns was going to win. And rightfully so. I don't think that there was any benefit to having, you know, Brock Lesnar win the match. But when they build it as the biggest WrestleMania match of all time, and we talked about it last Monday, that, you know, as much as I thought, like, yeah, Vince is probably just going to convince himself that just these two stars with the unification stipulation will be enough to get it over on the fans, I was just like, no, but they have to do something else. It can't just be a one-on-one match, stereotypical spot fest between Roman and Brock. And that's what it was. And I would argue that they fought what, like, Five times, six times to main event pay-per-views, the two Mm -hmm. at WrestleMania, uh, the two times in Saudi Arabia, uh, SummerSlam 2018. I think that this was by far the worst showing that these two guys have had. It wasn't good. It wasn't exciting. There wasn't any really close finishes. Um, I think that the highlight of the match was when Brock reversed uh, the, the spear into the Kimura I thought that was a pretty cool spot, but then, like, he just picks him up, Roman pushes him away from the F5 spear, and then that's it. Good night, Delights. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you know, even when they knocked down the referee, it was just a low blow and a hit to the head with the belt, where I was just like, okay, that's it, and the ref just gets up and we're back on our merry way. It was just something that was so expected. And I'm not saying that you can't ever have a predictable outcome. Predictability isn't always bad. And look, I'm not disagreeing that Roman should have won. It absolutely was the right choice for him to win. But the way they got there after the build, the other thing is, is like the entire build the last two, three weeks was that Brock was out for blood. Yeah. and there was no blood there was nothing yeah there was no violence it was just a straight spot fest it wasn't good it wasn't entertaining the the crowd was dead it was such an anticlimactic finish like it was horrible it was honest to god one of the worst main events of all time given for what they built it as and for what the outcome was and like i said Going into that match, even with the Vince McMahon nonsense, I think that you could have given this mania between the two nights a solid 8.5 out of 10. Honest to God. And just because they build it as the biggest main event of all time, and then what we got, I think it easily gets dragged down to a a 6.5. It was the worst match on the card between the two nights. In recent memory, I can't remember a worse WrestleMania match. Like, I've always said that it was Triple H versus Roman Reigns, you know, uh, ironically, Dallas as well. But at least, Mm -hmm. yeah, but at least that was a good in ring match because Triple H is such a damn good worker. But we all knew how predictable it was. This wasn't even a good match. Like, it felt like they put the match together in like a couple minutes. There was nothing like unique about it. There was nothing special about it. It was it was terrible. Uh, it, it completely tainted the it completely tainted WrestleMania for me. And personally, it taints Roman Reigns' run. Because this was supposed to be his biggest victory of his historic run. And given the way that it transpired for me, his entire run now is tainted for the worse. And the last thing I'll say on my rant is that now they've backed themselves into a corner with Roman Reigns, is where the hell do they go next? What the hell are they going to do next with him? And I said this a bit with you a couple weeks ago, is that it felt like they had no plans beyond this WrestleMania. They just threw all their eggs in their basket to make this feel like the biggest match of all time and cement Roman Reigns as this big, you know, all-time great star. And now what are they supposed to do? How the hell are we supposed to feel that anyone is a believable contender for Roman Reigns going forward? I don't know. For me it was just it was embarrassing, it was boring and it tainted the entire show.
0: It now shows you that the that marketing slogan of biggest WrestleMania match of all time was nothing more than marketing. There was no substance or teeth behind it. It was nothing more than just trying to make it as big as possible but not delivering on it. And you're right. I it, I can't I, I can't agree more about this felt like I mean it was the same finish essentially as their other few matches they had this year at Day 1, SummerSlam, same thing. There was nothing different about it, nothing unique. I would argue their matches at Day 1 and SummerSlam were better in some ways than the WrestleMania match just from a pure wrestling perspective, not even story. But you're right. Brock Lesnar talked about I'm out for blood. You done screwed up, boy. All these things and he's, you know, he's taking a forklift and lifting them and essentially trying to commit homicide and, and uh, you know, just kill them in their cars. And then he comes out and he's just doing a pure wrestling match. Like, what the hell? Like, I mean, it, there was no blood. Like you said, he wasn't trying to bust them open. It was it was as if he was just in the ring with him, regardless of what happened beforehand. He's just wrestling him. There's not anything additional that Brock added to this matchup that he wouldn't have added otherwise. And they didn't follow through with that narrative. And again, you you you. The problem with this, the biggest problem I have with this is it's the main event of WrestleMania, the true main event of WrestleMania. You have the marketing of the biggest WrestleMania match of all time, and then you don't do anything to, to really to, to deliver on that. There's no Rock. If The Rock came out... It would have saved this. It wouldn't have. It, I don't think it would have been reveal, revered as the best, rest, biggest WrestleMania match of all time, still because of the quality of the match itself and the fact that he didn't actually try to do anything different. Brock and Roman, that is. But at least you would have been like, okay, well now we're getting to Rock and and Roman for a year okay. build. Oh, okay, fine, I can deal with it. At least we have the Rock. No, it was the worst possible outcome of the of the finish of this match. Now Roman winning was the right move, absolutely the right move. Anybody that thought Brock was gonna win. The very small chance of that, I I never thought that that was going to be the case. Roman winning was the right move, but it was the worst possible ending because it was exactly what I said they should not do, and Roman just standing there with both belts as the fireworks go off. That's exactly what happened, and it was just anticlimactic. It is as flat as flat can be. And people were just like, uh, "That's it. You built all these months from SummerSlam to now for this, for the same ending we've seen time and time again, with no follow up at all, nothing nowhere to go." And I, I do not want to see Brock and Roman ever in a ring together again. I am done with them together. I've seen it all. We know what we're gonna get. It's power move, power move, spear, F five. Like we know what we're gonna get. It's it's never really quality that bad, but this one was easily the worst of their of their series but i don't need to see them in the ring ever again i don't need wrestlemania backlash for these two i but you're, you like you said where the hell does roman go he's got the whole roster at least to work with now cuz he's the double a double champion whatever the hell they end up calling this belt but he he can work with the entire roster which does open up at least some possibility I just don't know where they go, and I hope Brock Lesnar is done with Roman. God help us. if Imagine Roman's out there cutting a promo to, uh, tonight on Raw and Brock Lesnar's music hits. I mean, people are going to boo the hell out of that. I can guarantee you.
1: And they left themselves it out, right? Because Roman Reigns hit him with a low blow. He hit him with a shot yep. with belt. And then when yep. he had him in the Kimura, uh, Paul Heyman pushed the rope towards Roman Reigns. Yep. So – that's the scary part. And that's the other thing is that, like, if you were going to just have one-on-one, no shenanigans or no interference, the rock's not coming out, this is the avenue you want to go down, you had to make Roman win clean. No questions asked. And I I guess you could kind of say he did, but he didn't, really. You know, he hit him with a low blow. He used a foreign object. Paul Heyman helped him get out of the Kimura. So it gives them that out. And it's just... I don't get it. Like, even if you wanted to just go like, okay, there's going to be no rock after. No one's going to interfere. They could have at least made it like a bloody match. They could have at least made it like a war. They could have done something different. But it was just like the same old thing. Like even their match at WrestleMania 31. And obviously that's different because it was their first match ever against one another. And obviously the cash it and all that. Like, Brock absolutely bloodied Roman Reigns. He bloodied him at WrestleMania 34, which Roman had alluded to. Like, this, there was nothing special about it. There was no close finish. It was terrible, and I really do feel like it taints the run of Roman Reigns. I don't know about you, but...
0: I, I want to say that. my my Because I'm so emotional about it right now, I, I'm I'm going to try to... To to hold back on that comment, because that's a a pretty strong statement. I feel it. I want to say it. It's at the tip of my tongue. But I want to see what their follow-up is tonight. I'm going to give them one night, one night to try to make good on this. Hell, maybe The Rock shows up tonight after Roman Reigns claims there's nobody left. He's gone through everybody. I am at the top of the mountain, and then boom, Rock comes out. I mean, so it's still possible that he does tonight in Dallas, So I'm going to give them one night to correct this the best they can. Now, it's still a mess, and it will be forever labeled as a flat, one of the most underwhelming main events of all time, when yet, at the same time, hilariously called it the biggest match of all time. That's still going to be a blunder. But at least if the follow-up is they have a massive opponent like The Rock that they can build towards for a year, and in the meantime, they have Roman feuding with whoever on the Raw roster. He's got a whole roster now, other roster to work with. Then... I would maybe retract the statement. So that's why I'm going to wait 24 hours and see what happens. So uh, my question, my last question to you is if the rock comes out tonight and they do what they should have done last night, will you feel differently about this?
1: Yeah, I will because then it at least gives like uh, like a means to an end type of thing. But I just, I don't think he will. Like, I, I don't think that the rock is in their immediate plans at all. Uh, I've just I've I'm gonna stop kidding myself about it right now like for me it would have made unless that they just wanted to give Roman his complete moment at Wrestlemania and they didn't want to you know take that away by having the Rock's music hit and all that that's the only justification I could really think of for them not having the Rock at Wrestlemania but yeah sure I mean if they bring out the Rock and then they build for a year long then okay yeah I could kind of see it but even if they do that Are they just going to hijack the the world championship now that there's one for 12 months? And then that takes any possibility away from a guy like Drew winning it or Bobby Lashley winning it or anything like that. Because you have to remember is that when they built this year long program with Cena and Rock, there was no title in play. So they weren't kind of bound to it and they didn't have predictable main events right through the the entire year buildup. So I don't know if they're going to do it. Like, obviously for me, like, I'm just going to assume that The Rock has one more batch left in him until he's in the Hall of Fame, because I think that if he told them, you know, that he was 100% done, he would be in the Hall of Fame by now. Mm -hmm. So I think eventually something will happen. But at this point, like, I thought The Rock was going to come back at the Royal Rumble, and we're still waiting. And at this point, I think that they're just going to continue on and maybe we'll see like roman versus drew at backlash or i don't know it, yeah. I, my my hopes are very low right now for that type of program
0: well i think they have to find the hundred million dollar egg first i mean that that that's <laughs> the problem and once they find that they'll find the rock but uh that that's the thing is okay the rock comes out and then you're like wait a minute well that tells you he's gonna hold the title for 12 months if the rock just challenged him but the way you get around that is the rock would say to him title or no title it's you and it's me at WrestleMania 39. That way, it leaves it open for it may not be for the championship. I actually would argue it shouldn't be for the championship I because, agree. you know what I mean. Like I, I don't want the title involved because The Rock should not be the one to beat Roman Reigns for that belt. So that's how you get around it: is Rock stating whether you have that belt or not. It's you and it's me at 39. And that that then you're okay, fine. You're off to the races, and Rock can kind of come in and out of of every few months, reminding us that the match is coming. But I think more than likely, that's probably not going to happen tonight. And as you just said, it's probably Drew McIntyre who is, God willing, freed up from the uh, Mad Cat Moss and Baron Corbin um, uh, program that he can now, assumingly, because that seems like that was the conclu- conclusion. He could now face Roman Reigns, so Drew could be the one to interrupt Roman, and you know we move on to that program, which is going to be a lot of fun. Like Drew is a legitimate threat. I think he may be the most legitimate threat that Roman has had in, in several months. So I think that Drew and Roman would be just fine unless they're saving that for SummerSlam.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was going to ask you this uh, next, but, like, out of people who are on the roster right now, and I guess you could also include NXT guys in this mix because I'm sure Braun Breaker is a top mm-hmm. candidate as well, but, like, on the roster right now, who do you think is the most likely slash most deserving to dethrone Roman Reigns?
0: If you're going to put it, I mean, taking Braun Breaker out of it, which a lot, I know a lot of people talk about too, I, I mean, Drew... is 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 the top candidate for me um you know i I, it's really tough because okay you have matt riddle who's out there although he's in a tag team with orton so that's out orton is an established star you don't want him in there um you know I, i think probably just drew mcintyre he's been out of the title picture for a long time and yeah he's a made man but he if he was the one to do it and finally beat roman reigns i wouldn't hate it I would really hate it if it was a legend star like Brock, even The Rock. I wouldn't like it. So to me, at least, Drew is still in the prime of his career, and it would help really firmly establish him as as a you know forever main eventer and future Hall of Famer, which he already is anyway. But to me, like I look at the roster, I'm like Drew right now. I mean, outside of somebody from NXT that's not here yet, I I, I think Drew McIntyre. You know, I,
1: what I I about you? Yeah, I I think it has to be Drew McIntyre because. Even and you called it perfectly when his run started to get stale in 2020. He's taken a back seat and done it like a champion for about what is it, eight months now? Since the last time he challenged Bobby Lashley for the championship. I believe it was last summer. Was it Money yep. in the Bank or something? Yep. And I think he's done he's taken it like a champion. He was in a very like forgettable match with Baron Corbin, the worst slot on the card. You know, he was match two on night one of WrestleMania. And I don't think that he has suffered from it at all. You know, I thought for a bit, maybe, but then you kind of made a good justification for it. He's really rebuilt himself. And, you know, we can't remember. He got robbed of his moment two years ago at Mm -hmm. WrestleMania 36. And I think that he's been able to, you know, keep his character relevant. I don't think he's stale at all. I think he's one of, like, a top five worker. I think he's still very over with the crowd. And like you said, like, he's a guy that still has a lot of runway left. And, you know, maybe Bobby Lashley, I could see that as well. Although even Bobby Lashley, I would say, it was more on the back nine of his career as opposed to Drew. Although I'm not really sure of their ages. I would have to check that. Um, but maybe Bobby. But I think that Drew kind of deserves it. I think Drew deserves the moment. And like you said, like, It would cement him as a main eventer. And at this point, I don't think that it would hurt Roman Reigns in any way. But, I mean, you still have, you know, the the whole thing to play off of that they've collided twice. And Roman Reigns has beaten him both times, WrestleMania 35 and Survivor Series 2020. So I think it is tailored. I thought it was going to be Drew dethroning Roman at WrestleMania this year. I really thought that's where they were going with it. Obviously, they had different plans almost to a fault, but I mean, I I can't think of anyone other than Drew.
0: And you're, the the whole thing about Drew being constantly in title picture that that feeling is gone. I mean, and, and and knew it would take time, and it has taken time. But now, if he gets in the title picture, people aren't going to look at it and go, "Oh my God, he's back in the title picture again." I think people are ready for it. People were ready for him to move on from Corbin and Mad Cat Moss for about t- three months now, and he's out of it. And if he faced Roman Reigns, if he challenge, if that if that music hits, and he comes out and faces Roman Reigns at the end of Monday Night Raw, I think nobody. Uh, even though it's a uh, raw and he's on SmackDown because rules don't apply now. I don't think anybody would care. Um, I think everybody would be uh, on in on board for that. If it's going to happen, though, it probably will happen on SmackDown. I don't know what's going to happen with Roman. You'd imagine he's going to open the show and brag, You'd imagine. Uh, I could be wrong on that, you know, but uh, absolutely, I think people are ready for Drew to be back in the title picture and for somebody, for God's sakes, to take this belt off of Roman. Uh, I do wonder what they're going to do with the belts in terms of unifying them from a physical standpoint. You can't. I don't think they're going to carry around two championships forever. Maybe they do what they did in 2002 and actually have a, an undisputed championship with them, and maybe they do recreate a belt or, or maybe. God help us if they have like a dual colored belt to show it's actually unified. I don't want to put no. any any uh, or bring back the spinner belt. Um, no, but I I think yeah th- this is ready. Everybody's ready for Drew, but um all right. I I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause it here. I think I hear somebody crying. So uh if you have do you have any other final comments though before we uh, close things out? I don't want to cut you short.
1: No, no, I think that we touched on everything.
0: Cool. Well, everybody, guys, go check out Rivalries. It drops every single Friday with Anthony DeMarco. And uh, certainly a lot more to talk about WrestleMania. We didn't even touch on night one. So, you know, uh, maybe later in the week or, or even next week, we could have kind of a putting a bow on WrestleMania type of show. And um, I'll be looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, man, looking forward to doing this again next week. All right, buddy. Take care. You too.